final time, let me go ahead and tell you in case some of you have not made it in here. Sister Sherry will be in the foyer at the end of the service. I'm anticipating a prayer time, an altar service, a collective altar service, hopefully an expanded altar service, extended altar service. Whenever you stagger out of this building, um, hopefully she'll be out there if you have, if you need uh, your, your giving record, uh, information related, if you're a member, information related to the uh, business meeting next week. I'm going to ask you to, again, take your Bible and go ahead and open with me. We're going to go to 1 Kings 19. We're going to remain seated until the last few verses. Now, real quickly, um, Lori, I'm going to omit Psalm 78, verses 1 through 7, because I've already read that. Um, but just so you'll know that, I will close with Psalm 71, those few verses that I've got listed there. This is that passage of Scripture that we have just been dialoguing back and forth. I've found great personal encouragement in following the prophet Elijah. I just want to remind you very quickly, if you're kind of new to the kingdom of God and you come into a church like ours where we believe in preaching what's known as the whole counsel of God, and you may think, well, you know, it's a Christian church, and, and not every time do we read from the Gospels. I was thinking about that in the preparation this past week. I mean, I'm not necessarily quoting today from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And you say, well, you know, isn't Jesus the, the emphasis? He is the emphasis. It's his life. We have life because he gave us life. But he, the instruction is in Paul's epistle where Paul said all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. All scripture. So we believe that the same life of God that was on the biblical record of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection is also bound to the life of this narrative of Elijah. It's the life of God. It's the breath of God. And it'll change your life. It will. It's 1 Kings 19, this familiar passage, this is where we were at over the latter couple of weeks, verses, three verses, verses 19 through 21, this is following Elisha's experience with God upon Mount Horeb. So we're going to remain seated for this passage here in Kings, these two passages in Kings. So he departed thence, being Elijah, and he found Elisha, the son of Shapheth, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him, and he with the twelve. And Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. He left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, Go back again, for what have I done to thee? And he returned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slew them and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen and gave unto the people, and they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him." Pay attention to those last few words, and ministered unto him. Now we'll turn to 2 Kings, and here we find Elijah and Elisha together for the final time. We're going to read this. It's 15 verses, and then we're going to stand for just five or six verses out of Psalm 71. 2 Kings, chapter number 2. I just wanted you to be, even though this is the majority of my dialogue, it's going to be taken from this passage. But I wanted you to be familiar with it. If you were not already. And it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind. That Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee. For the Lord hath sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. 
So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came forth to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he said, Yea, I know it. Hold ye your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Elisha, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Jericho. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they came to Jericho. And the sons of the prophets that were at Jericho came to Elisha, and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he answered, Yea, I know it. Hold ye your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Tarry, I pray thee, here for the Lord hath sent me to Jordan. And he, being Elisha, said back to Elijah, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And the two went on. And, the 50 men, and 50 men of the sons of the prophets went, and they stood to view afar off. And, the, and they too stood by Jordan. And Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters, and they were divided hither and thither. You've been looking for hither and thither all your life, and now you know where it's at. So the two went over on dry ground. And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee. Let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. And it came to pass, as they still went on and talked, that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire, and horses of fire, and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel, and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more, and he took hold of his own clothes, and he rent them in two pieces. He took also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him, and he went back, and he stood by the bank of Jordan." And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, "Where?" notice this, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over. Last verse in this context, and when the sons of the prophets, which were to view at Jericho, saw him, they said, the spirit of Elijah doth rest on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him. Now, if you'll, for a final passage, just a few verses, it kind of weaves this together. Psalm 71. Psalm 71, we'll read a total of about six verses. And if you found it, stand in the honor of the reading of Scripture. If you haven't found it, it'll probably be on the screen here in just a moment. Psalm 71. We sing a song here at our church about the goodness of God. And in that song, the worshiper is declaring that God has been so good to her. She's the lead singer. I could say and reflect those same words and the psalmist here saying the same thing. 
Despite the challenges of life, he has found that God is simply good, and God is good to him. The psalmist says, For thou art my hope, O Lord, the fifth verse, thou art my trust from my youth. So the psalmist here has gained an experience with God from his early days, from his youth. That means if he was alive today, he would have been at Winter Jam yesterday with JoJo. He wouldn't have looked like a psalmist. He would have looked like a teenager. He might have had a pimply face or he might have been awkward at times and even frustrating to his parents at some time. But he was still a psalmist because the call of God had been in him since his early days. Come on, somebody. Amen. By thee. Now, so here the psalmist is saying, by thee I have holden up from the womb. I have been holden up from the womb. You have held me up. Thou art he that took me out of my mother's bowels. My praise shall be continually of thee. I am as a wonder unto many. He's older now. He's older. And people are wondering about how he can still be so strong in the Lord. He said, but thou art my strong refuge. Let my mouth be filled with thy praise and with thy honor all the day. Cast me not off. Here's a prayer for every person that's under the sound of my voice that we would deem as aged among us. Cast me not off in the time of old age. Come on, somebody. Amen. Forsake me not when my strength faileth. Now, two verses here that's going to tie the passage of Scripture with Elijah and Elisha to the cry of the psalmist here. Verse 17 and 18. O God, thou hast taught me from my youth, and, here, and, and hitherto have I declared thy wondrous works. Verse 18, this is my prayer. This is the prayer of many under the sound of my voice, but this is also my prayer. Now also, when I am old and gray-headed, I know you say, Pastor Brown, you don't look quite so gray-headed. Well, if you look closer, this is the prayer. Oh, God, forsake me not. God, when I'm old and gray-headed, don't leave me, God. I need you now more than ever before. And I've still got a purpose today. There's no shelf for me to be put on. There's no place where I'll just waste away because I have this purpose. Until I have showed thy strength unto this generation and thy power to everyone that is to come. What we've just read is legacy. That's what we've read today, legacy. I'm going to talk to you today about leading, serving, loving another generation. Now notice carefully what I said. I chose these words carefully. I didn't say a next generation because there's two sides to legacy, and it can't be one without the other. It takes both for us to truly receive a spiritual heritage of faith. Father, I love you, and I'm so privileged. I stand here today as a recipient of legacy, a spiritual inheritance that's been placed in my hands from both my spiritual forefathers and also those that were paternally in my life as well. And I'm grateful, Father, in Jesus' name, to speak to this great congregation today. And I'm going to trust for a spiritual dynamic unlike anything that we have recently seen, a fragrance to be in this room, a freedom to respond, an empowerment, Father God, to participate. Lord, as we pray so often, let preaching be easy in this house. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. You be seated. Thank you.
And I want you all to let me have in the old adage. Now, remember, as I began to share with you just a little bit, I'll go ahead and take uh, the, the back page of my sermon and bring it forward for just a moment. The pastor that stands in front of you, in the context of traditional and contemporary, I've got my foot on both worlds or in both worlds. And in the sense of the, some of the preaching and the preachers today and how to relate and the preachers and the preaching of days gone by in Pentecostalism, I've got my foot in both worlds. And so today, I want you all to give me my freedom. I want you to give me the time to let me speak to you. This, heart, this, this message is heavy on my heart today. Because I believe there's something that God has vested in us. Something's past. It's sacred. It's holy. We want to make sure that we value what it is and who it is. We make sure that we are passing it appropriately and properly to the subsequent generation. Legacy, very quickly defined, is something that is transmitted by or received from an ancestor or a predecessor. So let me read that again so that you can hear this. This is just simply the Merriam-Webster definition of legacy. Legacy. Something that's transmitted by, so it's passed from, and received by another. So one is in possession of it, and there's value contained in it, and it becomes legacy. It's not legacy if you dig it up in the earth. And you discover it having not known that it was there. But it's a legacy when somebody intentionally passes this to you. And you as the recipient see the value in it. And then you carefully take it and receive it and maintain it. And then one day you pass it to the generation that is to come. Let's see if we can pick up this story if we can for just a few moments. To follow the prophet Elijah. We have read this text. and Allow me to expound upon it for just a moment. The, the prophet here has left Horeb. Mount Sinai. Where he's experienced a renewed vision from God. Over the latter few weeks I brought to you the awareness that even men of God. Women of God. Spiritual leaders. Dynamic in faith. Who smile and greet you and encourage you. Can also grow fatigued. And frustrated and sometimes despair even of life. And three weeks ago or two weeks ago, I put a, a tree to replicate the juniper tree that Elijah sat under. That led him to Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. While there on the, in the cave, he wrapped his head in his mantle, the cloak that he carried. It was a prophetic mantle that he carried. And he heard the voice of God and God renewed his purpose and sent him back down from the mountain to anoint certain ministries, certain kings, and certainly one as a predecessor. We read that in the passage of Scripture. He was to anoint, um, I think the Bible says, Haziel, who, to be king over Syria. He was to, but I, I want to I draw your attention to that, though, again, very quickly, because in his lifetime, it seems as if he failed in that responsibility. That was the threefold assignment that was given to him. Anoint Haziel to be king over Syria. And then anoint Jehu to be king over Israel. We don't see a biblical record where Elijah accomplishes that. But the third assignment that he was given, he seems to have followed exactly as he received it from the Lord. And that is to anoint Elisha to be prophet in thy stead or in thy room. So he comes down from the mountain. We read this in the book of 1 Kings chapter number 19. 
And if you would have taken the time to read a couple of verses earlier, he was, the Bible says Elisha was the son of Shapheth. And being a son of Shapheth, the name is mentioned very particularly. And why is that? Because apostasy was in the land. There were so many, and that was one of the things that led to Elijah's despair. He didn't believe there was anybody left. There was anybody left, but obviously Shapheth had not bowed to Baal. He would have been one of the 7,000 that refused to Baal, but refused Baal worship. And it's seen by the name of his son Elisha, who carries with it a Hebrew connotation. He's passing this heritage of faith. It's in central Israel where they arrive at. And the Bible says that Elisha is plowing in a field. Now, I want you to get the picture image of this, if you can. I think that will help us here. Because it's a vast field that's as far, writers tell us, it was as far as the eye could see. And there were at least 12 yoke of oxen. What that means is there were two oxen yoked together, followed by one singular plowman behind each tandem yoke of oxen. And Elisha, the son, even though that shows that they were a wealthy family, but Elisha is, is following in the Hebrew tradition of learning the responsibilities of his father's household is out in the field. How many know that's a good thing right there? And he's out there keep it, doing what his dad uh, has taught him to do, and he's taking, he's following behind the plow. And when Elijah the prophet, fresh from Horeb, the Bible doesn't tell us how long, that he was, uh, the journey was from Horeb to where they went, where they were plowing, but he walked past him. Didn't say anything to him at all. Didn't say, the Lord God has sent me here with the prophetic word about your destiny. He just took that mantle that he had, and he just kind of smote him with it, just laid it over on top of him and just kept on walking. And went, and, but in that moment of time, let me tell you, you just better be careful because God can do anything. And God awakened a prophetic call in the heart of Elisha with nothing more than the passing of a cloth from the man of God as he still had the reins to the oxen in his hand. Isn't that powerful? And so Elisha runs after Elijah and says, let me go tell my father and my mother goodbye and I will follow after you. And Elijah shows a little bit of indifference, just simply says, what? You do whatever you want to do. I, whatever, you, you go ahead. And Elisha went on, and the Bible says he did something very significant. And in the preacher's lingo, we still carry this phrase today. I've experienced this in my own life. The Bible says that he slew the oxen, and he took the plow, the instruments he was plowing with, and he lit a fire, and he used that to cook the oxen, and he had a feast, and he gave the food away, and then surely it doesn't mention it, but surely he kissed his father and mother, and then he caught up with Elijah. Preacher lingo is, is there are times in lives of those that have received a call to ministry, and you feel that compulsion in your heart that God's taking you out of a career, a secular career, and moving you into a, a call of ministry, oftentimes we have what's called a burning the plow moment. That's a moment in our life where we say, you know what, I'm going forward with this call of God, and I'm not going back. I remember for me, and I'll just share this with you very quickly, I was in the Air Force, and I was in my, almost my eighth year in the Air Force, 
and I had uh, uh, so far in the enlisted career, I had a good career progressing, but I was in ministry at MacArthur Assembly, and I had this burning desire to be a preacher and a pastor, and the thing that I did, and it was very difficult because Sherry and I had five children, and there were no, we had a certainty in front of us in the military, an uncertainty in front of us in the ministry, and I refused to test in the Air Force, and when I declined testing, what that meant was I was ineligible to re-enlist, and it gave me about a year left on my enlistment, and it was going to force my hand. And when Sherry and I did that, when I made that decision, I was burning the plow. I said, God, there's a call on my life, and it can't, I can't say it's been good to be in the military. It was a good thing. It's helped me, but it's not who I've been called to be, and it's not what I've been called to do. So I had to burn. And so I understand what took place. It was sacrificial. He was walking away from his mama and his daddy. He's walking away from the inheritance physically of his fathers so that he would then follow Elijah, the prophet. And the scripture says, and I wanted you to see this, and the Bible says, and he ministered unto Elijah. Think about that with me for just a moment because it's going to become more relevant as this message unfolds. Though they are not seen again together in Scripture till the day of Elijah's translation, we know that for at least the next seven years, Elisha is not known as Elisha the prophet. Now, when you think about Elisha, you think about the many exploits. You think about a miracle ministry that the Bible had given no record of, uh, of that magnitude until Jesus comes along. When you search all the old covenant above any other prophet, the prophetic miracle ministry that exceeded all of them was that of Elisha in the miraculous. But, so when you think of Elisha, you think of him as Elisha the prophet. But you know what he was known as for at least seven years from the day that that prophetic mantle passed over him? He was known as Elisha the servant. The Bible says that his singular responsibility was to pour water on the hands of Elijah. He served Elijah, the aging prophet of God. That meant he opened the door for him. That meant that he got his bedroom ready at night. That meant that when it came time to feed the man of God, that he would go and get his food and set it down in front of him. That meant that some of the menial tasks of the prophet who they had formed schools of prophets, that he simply, he probably wasn't a teacher. He, Elisha was probably not a preacher in the school of the prophets. His only purpose was to serve the man of God, to serve him and to pour waters on, water on his hand. And so when I read this, it was a reminder to me, thus we arrive at legacy. Because through that process of serving a generation that is in front of us, Something was being transmitted and something was being received. Two generations were engaging one another. Elijah, the prophet of God, was, 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 was engaging relationally Elisha, the servant, so that one day the prophetic mantle would come to Elisha. Two generations engaging one another for the purpose of uniting destiny, defining futures, and passing the godly heritage of faith. So let me say this again to you. Legacy can never be viewed exclusively from one particular generation's perspective. It can't just be from the younger generation's perspective, legacy. And it can't just be from the older generation's perspective. But it has to be viewed from both. The older generation that's empowered, that's established, that generation, whether it be a multitude, a movement, or an individual, has the responsibility that has the responsibility to purposely affect 
You have to determine if you're what you call an older person today and that you're established in the faith. You have to determine that it is your God assignment to purposely affect and influence. And you have the, pers- you have the responsibility to train and to empower the next generation. You've got to live that way in your life. You can't just come to church and say, well, I'm just going to sit here. They're kind of pushing me to. No, you've got to come in this house and say, you know what? I'm a man or woman of God. Yeah, I've got gray hair. I've got blue hair, whatever. You may have come from the beautician this week because you went once a week. When you get in this room today, you need to say, I'm looking for a young person that I can get around because I want them to get what I've got. Because what I've got's kept me all these years. See, the future of these that are younger is still uncertain to us. It's not uncertain to God from His perspective, but we don't know the trial and the tribulation that the younger generation is going to go through. But there are some older folk among us that they've got an experience that's proven. They've gone through hell and high water. They've gone through the ups and the downs. They've gone through multiple wars. They've gone through economies that have crashed, and somehow they found that God kept them and preserved them, and they got something, young person, that you need. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying today? And so younger person, the less experienced, the less established. Yet willing and eager, that's who you are. You're the generation that you've got to value the older generation. You've got to respect. Come on, Aretha Franklin said you need some R-E-S-P-E-C-T, and we need it in the church again, right? We need some respect, and we need love and we need to serve the, for, serve the former generation. We've got to serve them and recognize that there are things that we need to do for them because they can't do it for themselves right now. We must all recognize that the preceding, the older generation, individually or corporately, has such a value. There's such a wealth in their lives, such an experience. I can't talk about it without crying. But for all those years, I was preaching right here, at the early days of, of preaching, and I had Paul Davis sitting on the back row of our church, an aged man that every now and then he would engage me. Uh, we'd talk about the book of Romans. And only through my conversation and my interactions with him did I find out that I was standing in front of a man that human history had hung in the balance and and that we were free today as a people because of his faithful service to these United States of America and to the world. You don't even know what I'm talking. I'm talking about when Seoul, Korea was liberated from the Japanese occupation when they lowered the Japanese flag down and raised the American flag, the soldier that carried the flag of the rising sun of the Japanese and presented it to the NATO commander was a man that was a member of my church, aged, gray-haired man, sitting on the back row of the church, and he had helped shape the destinies of entire nations. Let me tell you, all around us are men and women whose hair is growing gray, but they've got a wealth of experience. They've got an anointing in their life and a call of God upon them. And we've got to value who they are. Maybe I'm feeling it today because it won't be long before I'll be one of those. I'm not quite there yet. I'm a little bit of a bridge between the two. But it takes a bridge to cross over, doesn't it, church family? To pull the two together. We've got to value the gifting, the resources, the experience, the knowledge, the wisdom. And let me say this, the person themselves. It's not just what they've got. 
but it's who they are. It's who they are. Most successful passing of godly heritage happens because of genuine, authentic love and affection. Genuine and authentic love and affection between the predecessor and the successor. I was catching this for just a moment. I thought about that. Elijah's called the servant. And you remember in that passage that we were reading, when I was reading this, with Elijah and Elisha, we don't get any opportunities to see any examples of their interaction. The only thing we know is Elisha is the servant and Elijah is the master. And even the sons of the prophets, when they were talking to Elijah, they said, do you not know that your master will be taken from you today? And that's when he didn't want to hear it. And he said, hold your peace. And it was a powerful, it was almost like Ruth and Naomi, where Orpha went her way, but Ruth clung to Naomi and said, where you go, I will go. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Elijah was proving Elisha. And Elijah knew he was going to be taken up. And he gave him three different places that they were going to go. And he told him, he said, I want you to stay right here. But Elijah said, as thy soul liveth, I will not leave you. And then when the, I noticed this, and this is what brought me into the, a little bit of a picture of the depth of the relationship. Because when the angel of the Lord parted them on that fateful day, and when Elijah was caught up into heaven, and when Elisha saw it from his position, and in a tremendous display of the power of God. He didn't cry out, my master, my master. But he said, my father, my father. Church family, we have to have people in our life paternally. This reveals that during the seven plus years of prophetic training, between master and apprentice, a deep-seated affection and relationship is formed. Elisha is not just the servant, and Elijah is not just the master. Rather, Elijah is the father, and Elisha is the son. I want you to hear this today. Because, church family, I'm telling you, we need to be reminded of who we are and what God's placed inside of us. But true legacy of a heritage of faith is passed paternally, not just prophetically. You can't just get in somebody's line and have that prophetic blessing passed. To fully awaken your destiny. But you've got to have somebody spiritually, paternally in your life. Your stimulus of faith is an inheritance of your father's. Proverbs 19 and 14, the writer said that riches and houses are an inheritance of our fathers. And the faith that you possess, the overwhelming majority, is because you received an heritage of faith. Not everybody, obviously, but many of you know exactly what I'm talking about. And to make this a little deeper, I was looking at Paul for just a moment. You and I said, well, yes, I know about the Apostle Paul. He's the Apostle of the Gentiles. He gave us two-thirds of the New Testament. And when you look at Timothy, history tells us that Timothy is known as the Bishop of Ephesus. But when Paul is writing about Timothy, here's what he had to say. He said, you know the proof of him as a son with the Father. He has served with me in the gospel. So what does serving one generation mean? Here's what, it here's what it is. It's recognizing that I or we have a responsibility to each other. As a leader, you lead by sharing. You lead by influencing, by caring, by informing, by correcting. I will always be father to my children. And I will always feel emboldened to correct things that I may see them do or say. 
I know that I am not disciplinary. I know I can't dictate other course of action. But I will always correct as long as I got breath inside of me. I'm going to always be that because I'm always going to be the father. We're going to share. We're going to influence. We're going to care. We're going to inform. We're going to correct. We're going to encourage. We're going to instruct. We're going to empower you and we're going to love you. Listen to me. And we're going we're gonna to see you become all that God. We're going to make sure that we take what God's done in us and pass to you. As a servant or a slash son or daughter in the faith, you must purposely value the older generation. Now, I'm preaching to the young folk in here today. I want you to hear me and I want you to listen to what i got to tell you. You've got to serve them physically. Listen, if they need your seat, then get up and give them your seat. It means if we have to make changes to make our facility protected better uh, from, from the craziness in this world, that means if you've got to vacate your parking spot and you've got to park all the way on the north end of Harps so that they can park closer, that means that's what you'll do. Right? If you see somebody struggling to get in the door, you're going to go. Don't wait to get a serve team t-shirt and a tag before you do something good for the kingdom of God. I tell you, that just aggravates the, the daylights out of me. We think, well, unless I get a, a, a t-shirt and a tag, I can't do it. No, God's called you to serve people around you every day of your life. And if you're younger, you're called of God to serve the older. That's what the Word of God says. We have to live our lives with that mindset. And, and when doing so, we inquire from them. I can't tell you what it was like. It was surreal for me that day. When, I, when Brother Paul Davis took me into his back bedroom at his little house that he had built in Tumbling Shoals with his own hands. And he had, a, he had a cupboard inside his bedroom. And he opened the cupboard and he reached in and he pulled out a box. And when he opened that box, there was something rolled together. And he unrolled it. And it was a flag of the rising sun of the Japanese empire that he had taken from the battlefield. That he had taken from the battlefield that he fought for the freedoms of America and he looked at me and he asked me this question and he said Pastor Brown I've struggled all my life did we do the right thing but because he still felt the trauma of warfare after all these years and I sobbing looked back at him and said brother Paul because you did the right thing there are 260 million Americans still free this day because you did the right thing. There are other Paul Davises in our church and in your life that in a cupboard somewhere in the room, there's a heritage of faith. There's a testimony. There's a record of something that God did, that God preserved something in their life. And we need to be able to sit before them and say, i got to glean from you. I'll walk with you. I'll serve you because I need what you got. I've been thinking about our spiritual heritage. I wrote down some things like this. All knowledge cannot be gained from the internet. All knowledge cannot be gained from a book or a class. There are some things you're not going to get unless you're walking with somebody older and more experienced. And it's got to know. Yeah, you may have the book knowledge, but I need the practical knowledge. I needed to know. People come to me for marriage counseling. Why are you coming to me? You ought to be going to Brother Harlan and Sister Bonnie, who this next year are going to celebrate 65 years of marriage. Come on, that's who you ought to be sitting in front of saying, tell me about how did you make it through the ups and the downs, the highs and the lows. When it was difficult, how did you make it? I'll tell you what, they'll tell you how they found a friend in Jesus. 
who brought them through the difficult days until their marriage and relationship is all that God called them to be. Church family, there are men and women like that all around us. And they're about to drift off into eternity and they've got so much to offer while we fail to unlock what they have. I I also wrote it this way. All anointing in your life. I'm preaching to you today and to preachers. All anointing in your life cannot be gained from the prayer closet. Sometimes anointings are in your life because you poured water on the hands of a man or a woman of God. I believe today that there are people that are coming to my life to help me as I am transitioning from being a young minister to being a mature and one day definitely a more mature minister. I believe God is sending people around me at this age in my life because I was an Elisha one time. That there was a time that I served somebody. There was a time that I prayed more for Pastor Burton than I did my own family. There's a time that I held his hands up. There was a time that no matter what that he needed, if I had it, if I had the ability, I would do it. I would receive his correction. I would receive his instruction. I would serve him. And I want you to know today, if my cell phone were to go off in the middle of this message and he were to call me from Hot Springs and say, Pastor Brown, I need you down here right now, then I'd have to tap out and let JoJo finish this message because I'd be in that car headed to Hot Springs today. And I want you to know why is that? Because I've got a heritage of faith that's come to me. Somebody's past it. Somebody had an anointing. Somebody had a call on their life. Somebody had wallowed this thing out. Somebody had proven it before me and now they pass it to me and now I'm being all that God's called me to be because they were all that God had called them to be. You got a legacy of faith in your life as well. Church family, we've got to find a way to make sure. I've been thinking about this. God's designed us to receive a spiritual heritage of faith. It's a legacy from the generation that's in front of us. It's passed and received paternally equally as much as it is prophetically. Elisha refused to leave Elijah's side three times. Three times he said, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. This was not rebellion to his master, rather it was love for his father. Elisha knew that Elijah would be taken that day, probably anticipating his death. He would not leave his side until he was taken. Once across the Jordan River, the prophet told the apprentice, The father told the son, ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away. His request was simple yet staggering. Listen to this. This is corporate now. This is not just individual. This is to this body. I want you to hear this. He said, let, listen, he said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And I want to make this as personal as I can, as real as I can. If only our church Today, what's today's date? The 26th of January, 2020. If only we could have just a measure of the anointing of gone by, that's gone by in the assemblies of God. If only we could have just a, a freshest of, of something akin, remotely akin to a generation and generations that are gone by. If we're not careful, we will fail to fully realize the heritage of faith and the legacy of faith to which we belong. The Pentecostal movement that you and I are a part of today is a heritage unseen in the world's economy except for in the very first century. When God began to pour His Spirit out, fresh and new, fresh and new over a hundred years ago, the world had not seen a movement like this since the days of Peter, James, and John. But God began to pour His Spirit out and signs and wonders... 
and anointings and prophetic unctions and giftings began to awaken in the church one more time. And men and women began to see God do powerful and miraculous things. Did you know, I know some of you can look back and see some of the scandals of preachers in days gone by, and you wonder at it, and you see how that there were failures. And, but when you think about Oral Roberts for a moment, some of you remember how that, that, that there was that moment in his life when he claimed that God was going to take him to heaven if there weren't certain givings that were given to the university. And so there was a tainting towards the end of his ministry. But you, what you did not know is that if you follow the record and the legacy of his life, that his very first tent meeting, that there was a deaf school that was brought to him, and he did not know that they were deaf. They were sitting on the fir- front row of his tent meeting and he went down and he began to pray for them and unbeknownst to him that God was healing and by the time it was over they, they, every child that had come from the deaf school that sat on the front row of his, of his meeting that night was miraculously healed by the power of God miraculously healed by the power of God and, and there are so many stories so many stories that you and I can read through the archives of Pentecostal history. And we sat dumbfounded at the power and the glory of God. And what I want you to know today is I believe that God wants to do something powerful again. I believe today that God wants to awaken within each of us that we have a rich heritage of faith and that we've got to make sure that we possess it, we value it, we use it for the glory of God, and then one day we pass it to a generation that is yet to come. I was thinking just a little bit more about this, this legacy of faith, a legacy of faith. And we all have certain measures of legacy of faith. When you think about some of the, the most miraculous things that have taken place in the, in the latter, this part of the, of the Pentecostal movement, if you've studied anybody, any at all, I'll just show you how a legacy of faith works. How that they're, and we may not all be exactly as others were, and we don't have all the gifts and the callings. I don't think that's the objective. I'm not trying to be Oral Roberts. I'm not trying. I've been anointed to be a pastor. I've got to be anointed to be who God's called me to be. I can't go out and say, well, I want to try to be William Branham or Jack Coe or any of these men that I read about in the archives of Pentecostal history. No, I just got, but the thing I want is the anointing. I want the anointing of God to be who God's called me to be. To do what God's called me to do. That's what matters. And that's what you want. The anointing of God in your life. You can't read about Pentecostal history and the miraculous uh, movement without reading about Smith Wigglesworth. Correct? And most of y'all have heard of him. Some of you. Seven people raised from the dead in his ministry. He was rough. He was gruff. Uh, he died at 88 years of age without sickness in his body at the funeral of somebody else when suddenly God just took him almost like Elijah. His spirit just was taken. He just crumpled to the earth, gone into the presence of God. Wouldn't let a newspaper come into his house. He said, that's all lies. I've got the truth, the word of God. Right? But if you read about one of the men that he greatly influenced was Dr. Lester Summerall. Dr. Lester Summerall preached in over 100 nations of the world. Did y'all hear that? I said he preached. He physically ventured on his, on his journeys around the world to 100 nations of the world. Cast a devil out of a girl in the Philippines, Manila of the Philippines. You can go online and Google the story, Bitten by Devils. Until it, it, it was a shockwave of revival in Manila until they asked him. They asked him to hold open air meetings from the courthouse stairs. Over 100,000 people came to Christ as a result of those meetings. And that church is still in existence to this day. 
But what you may not know is that when he was a young man in England, he met the aged man of God, Smith Wigglesworth. And he spent two years going to see him every two weeks. He became the Elisha to the Elijah. And when World War II broke out, 1939, he was told he was going to have to leave England. He went to see him one last time. And when he did, Smith Wigglesworth brought him close to him. I watched the testimony from Dr. Summerall last night to be reminded of this story. And when he held him close, he prayed over him. And as tears fell from the aged man of God's face, they fell on the head of Lester Summerall. And Lester Summerall, he prayed, God, let all the faith, let all the faith that's in me be in this young man. What a powerful legacy of a testimony of faith. But to go and to add to that, though, for just a moment, of how God is putting things together. Did you know one time I was preaching at my church at Shirley, and I was preaching about seed faith, and I was finished preaching it, my sermon, and a distinguished man from the, that was a visitor that day from the back of our church at Maranatha came to the front, and he was an elder at Dr. Summerall's church in South Bend, Indiana. And he wanted to participate in our seed faith offering. And he prayed for us and with us that day as he made a $100 contribution to our whatever we had going. I can't even remember what it was all about. So when I thought about that last night, I thought for just a moment, if he's an elder at Dr. Summerall's church, then Dr. Summerall has certainly prayed for him. So in that moment of time, I've got in my hand an older man's hand that's been in the hand of Lester Summerall. That was in the hand, come on somebody, of an apostle of faith, Smith Wigglesworth. Church family, we've got to recognize the value of what God's given us. We have a heritage of faith, of dynamic Pentecostal grace and goodness and I want to see it realized in our generation. Are y'all out there today? Let me finish this message for just a moment of time. Elijah prophetically declares to Elisha, if you see me when I'm taken, that means if you don't leave me, it shall be so unto thee. If not, it shall not be so. What he was saying is if you leave me and stop serving me, then no. Maybe that's why there's a breach. Maybe that's why there's a breach, because we're living in the generation where we're seeing a separation in the generations to the degree that the older sometimes have no interaction with the younger whatsoever. It's almost like our kids in the nursery put the older in one room and the, and the, and the middle-aged in another and the younger families in another, and in doing so, we're breaking down legacy. That's not what God's called us to do. God's called us to pass a history of faith. And our church could have been just like many of the other churches, and we could have fragmented over worship, over the style of worship, and over the, the sound of worship, and all those things. But I will say this, in my heart of hearts, I would not let that happen. And the reason why is, is because I want some gray-haired men and women of God around me when I'm worshiping. I want to hear them call on the name of the Lord. I want to hear them speak in another tongue. I want to see the glory of God in their lives. And then I get just as happy when I see all the changed children up here on the stage worshiping God because because I see the generation being passed and the glory of God. I was watching a worship song uh, this morning on YouTube uh, of uh, one of the songs that we do. He's still in the fire. We did it last week. 
It's a powerful song. It comes from Hillsong. Hillsong comes to us today as the sound that's going around the world. It's extremely contemporary at the church. It would freak many of you out, obviously. We just barely dim the lights. They darken everything out, and they got lasers, and they got lights. But did you know that Smith Wigglesworth prophesied 70 years ago a sound would come from Australia that would be heard around the world, and it's still happening? And I watched that song, and I watched the, the worshipers, and, and, and so again, it's as contemporary as contemporary can be. And they were kind of passing the main lyric from one to the other. And so you had a little guy in his T-shirt, and he was doing his thing. And then all of a sudden, this other brother, he's got a little bit longer hair like Robert over here. He started getting happy while he was singing. And you say, well, Pastor, I'm really, that's not my sound, and that's not my song. Well, that might be good. I'm okay with that. But it needs to be that you value how they're worshiping. Because that brother started shaking his leg like this. He's going across the stage. And I said, my God, that's our heritage of faith. It's alive again, glory to God. As a matter of fact, it's never died, but it's been in the hands of those that have been willing to pass it to a next generation. And I want to receive it in my life, and I want you to possess it. I want to be unashamed of what God's doing in our lives. I want to be unashamed of the unction and the anointing of God. I'm preaching way better than you are shouting today. I'm just telling you, if I wasn't used to it right now, I'd be getting my feelings hurt. For some of you, I know you say, Pastor, I just don't want to get so radical and all those. That's fine. I'm not saying you've got to replicate everybody else. But I'm just telling you today, we have a rich heritage of faith. It's a legacy. Did you know when my pastor holds me and hugs me, I felt the same thing that Lester Summerall felt from his pastor. I felt it before when my pastor is a big burly man, Pastor Burton, has held me close. And he's wept tears off of his head onto my head. And the reason why I say that to you today is because my pastor is a fourth-generation Assembly of God pastor that traces his family lineage all the way to Hot Springs, Arkansas in 1914. It's a generation of faith. It's a legacy of faith that's been passed. Today, my children, three of my children are in Assembly of God church today where a pastor with the same kind of heart will breathe over them and speak the life of God into them, church family. I say, let's let it live. Let's let it pass. It's a sacred thing. God's given it to us. We've got to make sure that we're passing it to the next generation. We need that prophetic gifting of God. For the sake of time, I'm going to kind of conclude the message here. Elijah was taken from Elisha by a whirlwind into heaven. But something fell back down. God, we need it to fall. And he reached over and he picked it up. I was studying this out, though, and I want to just see if I can close this out the right way. But before he picked it up, notice what he did. He tore his clothes. When he saw the man of God taken from him, his heart was so broken that he, tearing your clothes to that culture was a sign of mourning, a sign of grieving. And he tore his clothes. And the mantle fell. The mantle was a garment. Would you hand me that right there? Right there, Jill, if you would, for just a moment. I use this as, a, as an example many times. It's a Hebrew prayer shawl. Might have been the same mantle. Might have been a mantle akin to this is what I mean. Might have been a Hebrew prayer shawl. Did y'all know that? It's very possible that it was. And I was studying this out to try to put all this together. For that brief moment, the man of God now is Elisha. He's exposed. 
He's tore his clothes. He has no covering. We think for a moment of time that Elijah was, Elisha was standing right by Jordan. But read the narrative closer. It doesn't say that. It said they had went away from Jordan. They've walked and talked. They got away from Jordan. When he caught that mantle, I believe that he covered his nakedness with the mantle of the man of God. Because what that did was that brought him underneath that prophetic covering of his spiritual father. So that when he got to the Jordan River, he knew exactly what to do. He took it like his father before him. He rolled it up. And he smote the waters. And just like it was with Elijah, hither and thither, the waters parted. And the man of God walked across on dry ground. And the sons of the prophets came to him, fell before him, and said, said that the spirit of Elijah doth rest on Elisha. Church family, we have such a rich heritage of faith. I pray that we retain the anointing of God that was in the, pre or the previous generation so that we have something of value, something of anointing, something of power to give to the generation that is yet to come. Daryl, join me on the platform as we close. Legacy. Legacy. Say it with me under your breath. Legacy. It's a spiritual heritage of faith. It's a heritage. It might be your father physically, your mother physically. It may, you may have not had. It may have been spiritually. It may be a father or a mother. Or you may be that father or mother. Church family, I want to see. I want to see our church family so united in faith. So that the anointings of a previous generation will pass to a generation that is yet to come. Don't you want to see that? I want to see that in our midst. I want to see, I want to see some young folks serving some older folk. And you're not waiting until you get the t-shirt and the tag. But you do it because you care for them. Why is the grass this high in their yard? And you're their grandson or daughter. You need to be going over and mowing grandma and grandpa's yard. Hello, somebody. Why, why, why do we have all this? Why, why aren't we doing the things that God's called us to do? Free them up from those vices of struggle, and then their true giftings will be unlocked and released to bless you and to bless your house and your children and your children's children. It's a legacy of faith. Just to conclude this message I already mentioned it, but I want to share with you why this came about. I prepared this message in my office on Friday, and I got it finished faster than I thought that I would. And it just, unflowed, uh, un it just flowed out of my heart, and I was able to capture it on paper. And I was stirred. I was genuinely stirred. And so I just sent a random text to Pastor Burton, and I said, Pastor, I said, what are you and Sister Marilyn doing for lunch today? Because if at all possible, Sherry and I would like to just come see you and visit with you. Pastor Burton and Sister Marilyn are 65 now. They're looking good, though. They've been living right. 
And he said, well, we're going to be in Little Rock. Maryland's got an appointment, but it shouldn't take that long. We'd love to have lunch with you. So I got to sit across the table from my pastor. Somebody who gave me an opportunity. Who gave me his pulpit. Allowed me to preach. Allowed me to grow. Corrected me when I needed it and I didn't like it. I used to every now and then kind of preach and make this, you know, right here. I wasn't doing anything. I didn't mean anything by it. I was just doing it. And, uh, you know, for me, it meant like down with the longhorns. Pastor Burton said it's a sign of the devil. So I dropped that finger down. I received that correction. I received that instruction. I received that value. I told you before, I can remember the first time I went hunting. I've only been hunting with Pastor Burton a couple times. He makes way too much noise in the turkey woods. Way too much noise. But I can still remember the time, the first time I went deer hunting with him. And I'm not a deer hunter at all. But I just went to be with him. It was the wee hours of the morning. And we got ready to go into the woods. He sat right there that he stopped. He said, let's pray. And in my mind, I think we're going to pray, God, send us a buck deer. <laughs> Never asked for that. But what he did say was this. He said, Father... He said, I want to pray for our wives and our children that while we're gone away, that you'll protect them and you'll be with them and you'll bless them. You know, I've never forgot that. And to this day, to this day, I still receive that. And for the majority of time, every now and then, I might forget to do it, that we'll still pray a similar prayer. Can just so you'll know, when I take your husband off to Nebraska, and we get ready to pray in the morning before we get ready to go out there. That's what he'll pray. He'll say, God, bless our wives. Bless our children while we're gone away from them. That's a legacy. It's a faith. It's the power of God's grace. Because all anointing is not just to preach. All anoint My first anointing was to be a husband. And to be a father. That's why you can have an anointing. You may never preach. You may never lay hands. But God's called you to have an anointing. Are y'all out there, church family? We need that in the church. We need authentic relationships. He said, my father, my father. He didn't say my master. He didn't say my pastor. But he said, my father. His heart was broken as his father was taken from him. We have a legacy. Let's value it. Let's protect it. I want to ask our church family, just, let's just come to the altar. No standing up in this head's bow. Just come. Can you come? It's your heritage. Can you come? Can you come? Can you come today? I don't know what you might need from God. But I'm going to ask something today. I don't know. But I'd like to see for a moment today, we'll get ready to pray. I don't know how this service is going to end. I don't know exactly what's going to take place. But I would love, I would love to see some of the older folks in our church praying for some of the younger. I know the phone is dinged and people, it's afternoon and all that stuff. I know, but I, my heritage is we, they didn't used to worry about what time it was when you went to church. That's what it used to be. 
They didn't care. Matter of fact, I'm just going to ask. I want to ask the older folk, who is the older folk? I don't know. You may wash the gray out of your beard the way that I do. I don't know. You might be 100 years old and look like you're 40. (laughs) But if you consider yourself older in a certain area, find a young person right now, somebody younger than you. Find something. Just put a hand on their shoulder. Just begin to pray for them. Just begin to bless them. If you need somebody to pray with you, let me ask you that. Let me just ask, if you say, Pastor, I need somebody to pray for me today. It might be physically, maritally, relationally, whatever. Slip your hand up because I want to see because I want to direct people to you. If you're here today, just say, I just need, I just need somebody to pray with me today. Who's here? Is there anybody? Most of y'all's whole life is perfect. You don't need anybody to pray with you. Chanel has got her hand up right there. Big Jeff's got his hand up right there. Somebody put your hand on Big Jeff right there. Larry and Allison and their family right here. I want to see some of the older folks moving real quickly if you can. Anybody, Brother Jerry Perry, reach up there right here. Jerry, right in front of you. Larry Pierce is right in front of you. Put your hand on him right there. In the name of Jesus. Pray for his family today. Hallelujah. Let's pass legacy. Come on, let's pass. Young person. Who's God laying, who's, who is the Lord laying on your heart that you need to serve right now? The young people ought to be feeling that right now. You ought to say, who is it? Is it my aunt? Is it my grandparent? Is it somebody in this church that I can be kinder to? I can show them love. I can ask them what I can do to make a difference in their life. Come on, church family. I feel the Spirit of God. Billy, lay hands on him right there, and let's trust God. In the name of Jesus, Spirit of God, right there, Spirit of God. Fathers, lay hands on your children today in the name of Jesus. Spirit of the Lord, your dad, mother, lay hands on your children today. Grandma, you're here today. Your grandchildren are in front of you. Your daughter, your son's in front of you. Lay hands on them today. Lay hands on them. You be the prophet of God. You be the Elijah. They'll be your Elisha. You pass that prophetic blessing. You speak life over them. You declare faith and the anointing and the grace of God. Don't be ashamed of it today. Receive it in your life. Receive the power of God's anointing in your life. In the name of Jesus. God, in the name of Jesus today, I want the Spirit of God. I want the Spirit of God today, Father. I pray, Lord, I'm turning. God, I'll turn this house into a house of prayer. Father, for the glory of God to be in this room right now in Jesus' name. For the glory of God, Father, to be in this room right now in this house. Over the men and the women of this family and this fellowship, God, I pray for them today, God. In the name of the Lord Jesus, God, I stir up the gift of God. Come on, church family, I want to feel the power of God in your life. Turn this into an inferno. Fan the flame of your own spirit right now in this house. Pray with fire and power and unction in your life. And believe God, somebody pray that we as a church will receive a divine heritage. That we'll have a fragrant anointing that is somehow akin to the generations that have been before us. Somebody pray that. I'm going to ask you to pray that prayer prophetically right now in the name of Jesus. Let the Spirit of God, let the Spirit of God be in this house. Let the Spirit of God be on this fellowship. Let the Spirit of God be in our midst. Lord, we need your power. We need your anointing, God, in the name of Jesus. 
God, we got to have more than just ritual, more than just routine. we got to have more than just uh, order. God, we want a divine manifestation of the power of God, the supernatural anointing of God. Lord, we want to see your glory. We want to see your anointing in the name of Jesus. Spirit of God, today, we thank you today, God, in the name of Jesus. Thank you today for your spirit. Thank you for your spirit today, God. Thank you for the anointing, God. Father, we thank you for the anointing of God. Father, there's a rich heritage of faith, isn't it, Jill? It began with your dad. It's a rich heritage of faith. God, let it pass, God, in the name of Jesus. Let it pass. Let that rich heritage of faith pass, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you today for the Spirit of God. Thank you for the anointing. Somebody call on the name of the Lord and let's pray for divine anointings in our midst, the call of God, the power of God, the fragrance of God in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray, God, right here, right now for the anointing, the anointing that destroys the yoke, the anointing that breaks yokes, the anointing that frees men and women, God. I'm praying that right here, right now in this house, a supernatural anointing, arthritic limbs, let them be healed, God. Headaches that have plagued people, God, let them be, Father God, healed of, God. Father, lingering diseases, God, that have, that have been plaguing us, God, let it be broken in a supernatural mo- moment where the Spirit of God Father brings healing to our lives. Husbands and wives that have been fragmented and fighting. Father God, confused and not united in heart. Supernaturally right now, turn the heart of the father to the children and the heart of the children to the father, God. That's our prayer today, God, in this house. Lord, I pray, God, against addictions and bondages. I pray today, Father, by the spirit of a living God, by the anointing that breaks the yoke, God, in this house today. Lord, we're calling upon your name. We're trusting you in doing great things, God. We're trusting in the anointing of God. We're believing God for the power of your great grace. Lord, I thank you for the heritage of faith that's in Elijah, God, today. The Father God that runs very deep, Father. Father, it's a heritage of faith. It didn't begin at JoJo and it won't end at JoJo. It goes, Father, through he and Anne's faith. It was above them and now it's below them, God, in the name of Jesus. It's a heritage of faith. Father, we thank you for it. I want to ask every one of you that's got a heritage of faith that you're going to believe God in Jesus' name. Lord, we send in your word right now to Paula. We pray for Paula and the difficult situation physically that she's in right now, God. We're just praying, be merciful, be gracious, God, a divine intervention in her life in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. God, we thank you for a heritage of faith. Lord, we thank you for a heritage of faith, God. Lord, I thank you for a heritage of faith in the name of Jesus. God, today, Lord, I pray. Father, right here, right now, over Clint and Carly, God, let them see an establishing, Father God, relationally, Father, to you, to each other. God, deepen, Father, their experiences with you in the name of Jesus. God, I lay my hands on them to stir them up in the full assurance of faith, God. Father, I know they've just been married for a short time, so the man that lays hands on you has been married 34 years, 34 years. And I lay hands on them today, believing God in the name of Jesus, Father God, for for the health of their marriage and for their family and for their future. And I agitate the Pentecostal gift and I stir up the Pentecostal gift and I stir up the call of God and I stir up the anointing of God in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray over Clint, Father, right now, the way my pastor prayed for me, God, I pray for him today, God. Let him be the man that God's called him to be. Father, let him be first up in the morning, last down at night, God. Father God, let him 
him make good decisions as a husband. Father, one day as a father over his household. In Jesus' name, God, we're calling on your name. God, we're calling upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ today, right here, right now, in the Spirit of the Lord, in the Spirit of God, in the name of Jesus, in the Spirit of God today. I want to do something today. I just feel led to do. We've got a prayer moment. I'm not ashamed. If you feel like you've been called into ministry or you are called, that means JoJo. That means Jace. That means others that I want to pray specifically. Dylan, I want you down here. Barrett, I want you right here in the name of Jesus. Any others that are among us? Brent, I want you right here in this in this way. Anybody that says, you know, I'm feeling a call. I'm feeling a call of God. I'm being stretched. You know, maybe somebody's come past you and that mantle has passed and maybe you're just in a servant role right now. That doesn't mean that God's saying, and, and if your spouses are with you, then you get alongside you right there. Get alongside them. I want to pray over you in the name of Jesus. I want to, it doesn't matter who you see. That's you. You say, Pastor, that's just me. I'm, 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 I'm wrestling with this call. I'm trying to learn. I don't know, I, I don't know what it's like, the, the full end of it just yet. And I just want to pray with you today. I want to take fresh anointing on. I know many of you have a tangible, and I've known it for years, and we see it, and we understand it. But I want to, and we, and we honor it many times as pastors, but let's do more than that today. In Jesus' name, can come in right there and pray with you. Lord, I anoint today. I just feel like today anointing. God, I want fresh anointings upon our pastors in the name of Jesus and the others that are professing and are growing. God, but fresh anointings, God, it's a heritage of faith. Joe, it's a dynamic heritage. It's a dynamic heritage. It's a dynamic heritage. And I love you and I bless you today in the name of Jesus. And I thank you for your love and your friendship. I feel over your family. Your family's my family. All the way to Mama Glow over there. To your children. God, today I bless them today. God, I pray for Barrett today. Barrett, we see the call of God in your life. We see the call of God. So I lay hands on him today. He's got to work some things out. He's laying his head on the bosom of Jesus. He's listening. Listen, just because you're in secular employment does not mean in any capacity that you're not being affectionate and, and, and even being moved into something greater. Man, I spent seven years like Elijah. And Elijah, I spent seven years alongside Pastor Burton. Seven years wanting to be in the ministry full time, longing to be, but God was holding me back. I had to learn to serve before I could lead. In the name of Jesus. So I bless him today. I agitate that gift. I agitate that gift. I stir it up today. I stir it up today. God, I thank you for bringing Jace and Katie to our church. God, I thank you. I lay my hands on him today, Father. God, he's become a son in the faith. I have to guard myself because of his, of his maturity. That God, that I, that I must be reminded that God, that he's a son in the faith, God. And so God, today I bless him and Katie and their sons and the call of God in their life in the name of Jesus and stir it up. God, agitate it. Agitate it. God, agitate the gift of God. Just as a reminder real quickly, in the last two weeks I've been prayed with and prayed over by Dr. Brassfield who can trace his spiritual heritage all the way, all the way to Hot Springs where his great-great-grandfather was an Assembly of God minister in the first generation to Pastor Burton, who can trace his great-great-grandfather all the way in the name of Jesus. It's a legacy of faith. Spiritual dynamics, callings and giftings, we're unashamed of them. 
God, we want the anointing that destroys the yoke. God, we don't know Daniel and Naomi too deeply, but God, but we're getting to know them. And God, he come to this line to say, I, I don't know what it is, but I'm str- I just, I, I, I want to search this thing out. I want to search this thing out. So God, I lay my hand on him today, right here, right now, God, to agitate the gift of God. Stir up the gift of God that's on the inside of him. God, let him be faithful at home. Let him be who you've called him to be in the house. I remember the word of the Lord said, Paul to Timothy. He said, if you desire the office of a bishop, you've got to take care of your own household. So right there, right now, over your own house, over Naomi, over your children, over your family, be that consistent example of faith, a man of faith in the name of Jesus, and things will begin to unfold and unlock in front of you. In the name of Jesus. Thank you for Dylan and Julie, God. God, and we believe there's a call of God on their life, God. Lord, I lay my hand on Dylan today, God, in the name of Jesus. God, to stir up the gift of faith right now in his heart. God, I pray, fill Dylan. I've been praying for you, Dylan, that you'd receive the bat. You want it so bad. Father God, I want to pray all the faith that's in me right now, God. In the name of Jesus, all the faith that's in me right now, God. Father, I pray, unlock the gift of the baptism in the Holy Spirit, God. Father, fill him unto overflowing. Don't be be ashamed in any capacity to let out the river of living water that flows, it flows, it flows, it flows out of your innermost being in Jesus' name. It's not reasoning. It's not understanding. As a matter of fact, it's beyond your reasoning and your understanding. It's a supernatural river of water of life. It flows freely. It's the prayer language. God, give him the gift of faith to receive the mighty baptism and the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray it over him right now, God, by divine unction and by divine anointing. In the name of Jesus, you'll give him the very desire of his heart, God. Let him speak forth, Father God, under the anointing of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. He's asked, so let him receive. That's what the Word says. If you ask, you will receive. If you seek, you'll find. If you knock, it will be open to you in Jesus' name. Thank you for the call of God upon Dylan and Julie's life, Father God, and the sweet fragrance of Christ that comes from them today, God, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Were there anybody else that just said, I'm in that context right there? Anybody else? Okay. Come on, church family. I'm praying. We're gonna pray. Somebody come over here and let's lay hands on jail. Lord, we're believing for God's best in Jeff's life. Come on, we're believing for God's best in Jeff's life today in the name of Jesus. Lord God, we're speaking to the man of God that's hidden inside him. We're speaking to the man of God that's hidden inside him. That's hidden there, God, at times due to some of the struggles of the flesh. And he'll be the first to confess it. He's an open book. He doesn't mind telling us when he's up, when he's down, God, in the name of Jesus. And God, we've been a fellowship that's loved him, Father, even through difficult days in Jesus' name. And God, I speak to the real Jeff. I speak to the innermost being. I speak to the real you today, Jeff, in the name of Jesus Christ. I speak to the one that's anointed. I speak to the one that's compassionate. I speak to the one that's caring. Father, I pray over him in Jesus' name. Father, I know there's some things that he sometimes struggles with uh, mentally, Father God, but in the name, he'll be the first to say, Pastor, let's pray the prayer of faith. Lord, I remember they put a crown of thorns on your head, and they pierced your brow deeply. And God, it was our belief that, Father God, his brow was pierced so that ours could be whole. And I want you to see that with me right now, Jeff. His brow was pierced so that you'd be healed in your emotions. You'd be healed in every area of your life in the name of Jesus. Spirit of God, I lay my hands on him today. 
And God, I don't believe that Jeff has to live all of his life, Father God, wrestling with some of these things. But God, I've seen in the Word too many times where men and women were instantaneously, marvelously healed by the power of God. Never to return again. The darkness never to return. The depression never to return. The sickness, God, to never return. And that's what I believe in the name of Jesus Christ. Let him make changes, God. Whatever changes he needs to make. Whatever areas that he at times gives place to the devil. I speak that over him. Ephesians 4, 27 says, Neither give place to the devil. Give him no place in your life. Give the stronghold no place. Tear it down and build it up with good things in Jesus' name. Build it up with the good things of God. I pray over him today, Lord. We, we pray over him in Jesus' name. Spirit of God. We're so grateful. We're so grateful today, God. We're so grateful. We bless him. I pray over him today. God, let the love of God so fill both Jeff's heart and mind. Let him feel your love and your touch in our hands. People that are got their hand on you right now, Jeff, they love you. You've got a family in this, in this church family. And there are times we, we've had to back away when you're struggling with some things. But, but we're right there, right here, right now. In the name of Jesus, saying, we are your family. We are the people of faith. God brought you to this fellowship of faith in the name of Jesus. But God brought you here to be made whole. I want you to see that in your mind. I want you to see yourself healed, totally healed by the power of God. Not partially, not some in today and Father out. But God, I pray in Jesus' name, Father, for the Spirit of God today in Jesus' name. Ramonica wanted to be anointed with oil today. Let's lay our hands on Ramonica. God, we pray over her today, Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we ask that you anoint Ramonica, God, today. Father, first of all, we pray over her physically. Lord, we lay hands on her. Come on, somebody. Let's call upon the name of the Lord. Lord, we believe for physical healing in Ramonica's body. God, she's had many infirmities, God, that sometimes can rob her of her joy. But God, today we pray, Lord, according to the word of faith, Lord, we pray for divine healing in every area of her life, physically, emotionally. Father, in Jesus' mighty name, Lord, I pray, God, that you continue to stir up the gift of God that's on the inside of her, the call of God. Father, the ministry, God, as she's leading, Father God, the, the His ministry and other things that she does and others that she influences, God. I pray for the prophetic gifting to continue to be sharp in her, God, and the spirit of an intercessor to continue to rest in her, God, in the name of Jesus. And she can pass that. Father God, there are many in our church that don't understand the power of intercession. But God, in the name of Jesus, she understands it. Lord, I pray, help train up a new generation of intercessors. Raise up a generation of men and women that know how to get into the prayer closet and get a hold of God. Father, I thank you for it today. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus today. Now, church family, I want to ask you in a closing prayer right here, right now. If you're around, well, you know what? I'll get in trouble if I do this. I was about to say, if you're around somebody older, I want you to put your hand on their shoulder. But then that person's going to look at you and say, why did you think I was older? Right there, yes, 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 yes. So, hey, let's remember, let's close out in prayer real quickly right now. And I don't mean close out, but I'm going to close out this part, my part. God, today this message is sounded from this pulpit. Elijah and Elisha, a legacy, a legacy. I want to pray for the younger generation to purposely serve the older generation. Did y'all hear that? Now, I want to ask you, young, younger, young adult, I want you to hear that. Listen, 
It's always a two-way street. Sometimes the older generation is negligent of purposely seeking out the younger generation. And sometimes the younger generation is negligent of seeking out the older generation. So I want to call upon the young folks. Do more than what you're doing for the good of the older people in your life. The older people in this church, the older people in your community of, of family, do more for them. Whatever you can do, do that for them. God will reward you for it. Did y'all hear that? There were 50 prophets that sat in Elijah's school, but one man caught the mantle. The man who poured water on the hands of the prophet. Serve those that God's put in your life. Sometimes it's a pastor. Sometimes it's a spiritual leader or a mentor. Whoever it is. Sometimes it's your paternal father, mother, or grandparent. But love them and serve them and glean from them. Make their life better. Loose them to, to bless you. Loose them from some of the responsibilities and things that have come upon them so that they can prophetically bless you. And to the older under the sound of my voice, I want to encourage you. Make sure you're blessing a young person. Make sure that you're sowing into their lives. Make sure that you're pouring faith in them. Get around them when you pray. Get up beside them. Don't be ashamed. I tell you what, don't be ashamed. Yeah, you're going to be loud. You say, Pastor, I'm from the loud generation. Good. Come on, it's too quiet in church. Good. God, we want you praying loud. We want them. We want because we believe that what you got, we need. And we want it in the name of Jesus. So, God, we thank you for it. Let First Assembly of God be a church of legacy. We received it from those that went in front of us. But we also diligently pass it to those that are coming behind us. In Jesus' name, and all God's children said today, amen and amen and amen. Listen, you have one last.